Uh, in fact, let's just go to prayer right now. We'll ask not only for that, but uh, we'll ask for some other things as well. Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, uh, just for, I thank you for what you've done and through your son, Jesus Christ, that you sent him uh, to die on the cross for our sins, um, that we might be forgiven, and that uh, he rose again from the dead, proving that he had made that payment and that he was who he said he was, the one and only Son of God come in the flesh. And so, Lord, we are thankful for the gift that we have in Jesus and um, what he accomplished on the cross. And we thank you for your spirit that you give every believer to empower us to do the things that you call us to do. Lord, we also want to just lift up a special prayer. We know some, some folks in our church have, have lost some family members close to them, and we just pray that you wrap their arms, your arms around them, comfort them in the time of loss, Lord, and help us to know how we can minister to them and be the hands and feet of Jesus to them in their time of loss. Lord, we also know others are still struggling, Lord, with health problems. We pray for your healing touch, restore their bodies to health, Lord, and we, we know that you can do that. You're the great physician, and Father, we just ask and pray, too, that in this service, whether we're here in person or online, listening and watching, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would move in our hearts, would help us to understand what the Word is saying, what your, what your Scripture is saying to us, Lord, awaken our hearts, open our ears and our eyes to your truth. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, this is the second in a series of messages we're doing the series is called Who He Says I Am, and it really has to do with, uh, as a Christian, who does God say that I am? Uh, identity, if you will, is really what we're talking about, and it's important that as someone who's either seeking to know who Christ is or who is already a Christian, that we understand who God says we are. We, don't, we should not get our identity from who other people say we are. We should not get our identity through whom the culture says we should be, but we need to get our identity from our Creator, all right? And um, specifically, we're talking about in this series who God says we are as followers of Jesus, okay? And today, the topic is, I am God's workmanship. Uh, You know, and my wife has called me a piece of work before, uh, but (laughs) this is not that. This is God saying we are His masterpiece, all right? Uh, that's what one of the translations says. In fact, let me just go to the verses that we're talking about today. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Uh, oftentimes, people remember verses 8 and 9 because it talks about how you become a Christian and the basis on, on which you become a Christian. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Isn't that interesting? It's even like the faith we have was given to us by God. It says, this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. And so this is a really important thing, right? We need to understand, and we'll we'll get into that in a second. But what this verse 8 says, but let me finish the pass. It says, not a result of works so that no one may boast, Then verse 10 is what we're going to kind of key on the most of the time today. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so that's the passage we're going to talk about today. And let me kind of get to that first point where I was starting on there. But just this idea that the, the, the truth is that we are saved through faith and not by works. And, and Nick mentioned a lot about that last week in this series, talking about how we are, his, as believers, we've been created anew. The old has, gone, has passed, the new has come. Uh, we've been given a new nature. Something changes internally right, in our soul. Uh, and, and this is not some kind of behavior modification program, okay? When God changes a life, He changes it from the inside out, okay? Yes, behaviors might change. Even the way we see the world probably going to change if it's been different from what the Scripture says, right? But the thing you need to know is how you come into a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ by faith. In other words, you just need to believe Jesus is who He said He was, and that he did what he said he was going to do, which was die on the cross for our sins in our place. Okay? And, and it's almost like, think about it as, as someone, uh, you know, paying the penalty for you. Right? Jesus Christ did nothing wrong. He lived the perfect life. He was sinless. God come in the flesh. And this is hard to understand, right? Completely God, but also completely human. So he also understood what it meant to be tempted. He understood what pain was, all of those things that we experience. But he went to the cross for us in our place, right? And so, but how do you receive this gift as it's talked about? That, that verse 8, Ephesians 2.8, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. So, you know, if I had a gift, if it was your birthday... Right, and I said, "Listen, here's the gift." You know, I don't know what it is. Here's the remote. Okay, let's say it's something really nice, though, not a remote. I said, "Here's the gift uh, for I got for your birthday." Well, what do you have to do for it to be yours? You have to receive it. You have to take it. Right? I can hold it out there all day long, but it's not going to be yours until you take it. The same thing is true with salvation and forgiveness that we receive through Christ. It has must be received. It's like a gift. Christ is offering it, right? Uh, He's offering forgiveness and he's offering salvation. He's offering a relationship with God through him, but you must receive it. And I'll tell you about when I received it, just briefly. Um, I'll never forget the day. Um, I was in my dorm room uh, in Suite 1050, a moral tower, laying on my bed, thinking about a lot of things that I had been wondering about, like, you know, could, could, I, could I really know for sure I'm going to heaven? Am I, have I done enough? Have I done too? I mean, you know, I did some nasty stuff growing up, and I'm still not perfect. And I'm like, you know, am I really, can God forgive that stuff that I did? Right? Is he really going to look past that? And uh, I learned that the scripture says yes. Uh, right? He's, it says he, he, uh, he wipes all of our sins away. He forgives us completely. And so that night, all I did, it wasn't, it wasn't magical. Some people have different experiences. I basically just said, God, I believe what you say in the Bible about Jesus is true, that he died for my sins, and I know I'm a sinner, and I know I need someone to save me and forgive me. Um, and I want to I wanna have a relationship with you. I, I just told him that. I mean, it wasn't any magical 
words, but it was a heartfelt expression that I knew I needed a Savior, and I knew I needed forgiven my God, and I knew that Jesus Christ was the only one who could forgive me, and he paid the price for my sin. And I just asked, it's kind of like inviting him in. It's kind of like, think about it, like as you invite somebody into your home, you know, come on in, you know, and say, Lord, you just express that in your heart that you want to know God and that you desire to have a relationship with him through Jesus, and you receive it by faith. That's it. It's by faith, by believing this is true. Uh, isn't it amazing that that's all it is? We, we try to complicate it. We, people try to add to it. They try to say it's Jesus plus something else. It, it's Jesus plus nothing. That's what salvation is. That's how you come into a relationship with God. And it is so simple that a child can receive it. Uh, children are some of the best examples of faith, right? You know, I, I remember my kids would believe anything I told them at one point. You know, now there comes a point where they become wise and know that I don't always know everything and I don't always, you know, tell them the right things, not intentionally. But, you know, they think you're Superman, right, if you tell them. And, and so if we by faith believe that Christ died on the cross for our sins, it says here, you're saved through faith, not by works. And this is important, okay, because most people, if they believe in God and believe in a heaven, they think you get to heaven by doing good things or doing enough good deeds, um, that's why I used to think. I used to think it was like a game show. If my good outweighs my bad, God lets me in. Um, but this verse here says it's not by works. It can't be by my good deeds because if so, look what the verse goes on to say. It says in, um, it, well, first of all, it says it's a gift of God. And, you know, a gift by definition is something that you don't earn, correct? And then verse 9 says, not a result of works so that no one can boast. Nobody in heaven is ever going to say, I got here because uh, I, uh, I worked really hard to get here. No, the only valid answer uh, for the fictitious St. Peter at the pearly gates letting you in is I've received Christ as my Savior and I'm covered by the blood. That's the only answer, right? Because that's the truth. No good deed that you ever do is going to make you more acceptable to God. It's only by believing in Jesus. And I just think that's great. I, I just want everybody, we need to make sure everybody knows that. It's not by works. And so that's really the first, first thing we need to mention today is that you're saved through faith and not by works. Because we're going to talk a lot about good works today, but it doesn't matter if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus through faith, okay? All right. Now, the second thing uh, I see in this verse 10, right, because the, the, the first point really is verses 8 and 9 of Ephesians 2, is that, is that you're saved for a purpose. You're saved for a purpose. Now, let me say this. I believe that uh, our purpose uh, has kind of... Uh, there's one thing I'm going to share with you, a verse that is the overarching purpose of every one of our lives, and that's in 1 Corinthians, all right? It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. I don't have it on the screen for you, but let me just mention this. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, it says, So whether you eat or drink or 
whatever you do. Now, that pretty much catches everything, doesn't it? Whatever you eat, drink, and then there's the whole whatever you do. (laughs) It says, uh, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. So basically, the purpose of our lives is to bring God glory. Right? We want to point, we we want to bring God glory in how we think, how we live, how we treat others. In everything we do, we want to point to him and be a, and I said, a good rep. We want to give you a good representative, right? We want to do all to the glory of God. So that's an overarching purpose is to glorify God. But within that, this particular verse, Ephesians 2.10, focuses in on a way that we glorify God, okay? And here it is. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, okay? For good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so I just want you to see that you are saved for a purpose. So when you become a Christian, right, God's got plans for, for you walking with him. And he, what are those plans is to do good works. He's got some stuff for you to do. Um, we were talking about this in the first service, right? Remember the Blues Brothers? Right, what did the Blues Brothers always say? On a mission from God, right? Well, let me tell you what. If you're a Christian, you could say that. I'm on a mission for God, okay? And part of that mission is to do good works. It's to do things in the name of Jesus. And certainly these good works typically will impact other people. They might be helping others, loving on them, serving them, uh, whatever. There could be a lot of things in this good works category, but I just want you to realize that, that these good works do not save you, right? We saw that from verses 8 and 9. Basically, uh, these good works are a sign, if you will, that you are his workmanship in Christ Jesus. In other words, the fact that you would do good works in Christ's name is an indicator that you've been recreated in Christ, that you've been made new, like Nick was talking about last week in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Right um, now, notice also the types of works it says. It says good works. Right? It says we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. All right. So as opposed to bad works, I suppose. Right? Now let me tell you why I, I'm making this contrast because the thing is, is that. Okay, generally speaking, it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not. You can do good things, right? You can, you can be a good citizen. You can uh, help people and things like that. These works here are specifically mentioned in the same breath. It says, it says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So these are specific to believers for good works. So these are works that really only believers can do, okay? Because we're doing them for God's glory, okay? Someone that doesn't know Christ is not doing it for God's glory, okay? They might be doing it for other reasons. So the motivation is different um, to bring God glory, all right? And then also, we're supposed to be doing it with the love of Christ, right? Uh, If you look at Ephesians 5, 2, it says, 
um, live in love, and it tells us how to do that. It says, uh, Ephesians 5.2, live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So, do you see that? So, someone that doesn't know Christ can't live in love as Christ loved us. It's not possible, okay? I'm not downplaying uh, other types of works, works done by people that aren't Christians. I'm not downplaying that at all. I'm just saying this specifically, this verse is talking about good works that only believers can do in this way. In the love of Christ, right? In the love of Christ, and as it says there, for the glory of God, right? Matthew 5, 16, we've probably heard that verse before, right? Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and notice you. No, no. Somebody better say, Pastor, that's wrong. Come on now, right? It doesn't say that, does it? It says, let your light shine. You know, do your good. I kind of, what is it now? Lord, I can't even remember it. I'm, see, I, I screwed the verse up for you on ter- purpose. Now I messed up myself up, right? So let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So the works are to point to God, Right? So I'm just really trying to nail down that he is mentioning when it says you are, we are his workmanship, he's not just talking the general creation because we all are created in the image of God. But this workmanship is about being created in Christ, a new person, okay? And so you have a purpose. God's got stuff for you to do in Christ Jesus that only you can do in Christ's name. And frankly, that kind of excites me. That makes me think about, you know, want to wake up in the morning and say, okay, what's God got for me today? What's he got laid out for me? What kind of good things, right, that he wants me to do? Let me finish that thought I mentioned earlier about the the good works versus the bad works and why I'm making such a big point about this is good works, speaking of believers only. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, And you, now he's speaking to Christians here. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That doesn't paint a real pretty picture, does it? He's saying, listen, you Christians, you were this way. You were really ultimately only able to do bad deeds. Because even at the heart of those things, they were evil in God's eyes, right? And so, but then he says in verse 4, the two best words in some some ways that were ever spoken, but God. God did something. You were only able to do these bad works, but now you'll be able to do these works in Christ Jesus. He says, but God being rich in his mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. He's just simply saying, 
we were bad. And he's like, and now he's saying, but God, who's great in his mercy, even while we were that way, he's like, by his grace, he saved us out of that. And though we're not perfect, we have been made anew, right? We have been made new, as Nick mentioned last week. And so I just want you to see why he's mentioning those good works in light of being a new creation. Okay, this is something that we can do as believers now. All right? Okay. The other thing you should realize about that verse 10 in Ephesians chapter um, uh, 2 is it says that God has planned these good works for you to do. They've been planned in advance. Think about that. When you put your faith in Christ, and you're in Christ, and now you are his workmanship created for good works in Christ, in eternity past, God had these plans for you to do good works in his name. That just kind of blows my mind. I mean, before you were ever born, right? God had these plans for you to do good works. And this goes back, really, staying in the book of Ephesians, Look at the first chapter of Ephesians in verse 3. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us as Christians in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In other words, you, as a Christian, you've got everything you need spiritually. Okay, Blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, it says. It says, even as he chose us in him, meaning in Christ, listen, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. It says then, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. There's lots of things happening in advance, aren't there? He talks about that... um, Uh, He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before the world was ever created, he chose you to be a part of his people. Blows my mind. So not only did he choose that in terms of us becoming a Christian, but he also has chosen good works for us to do in advance. Okay? So these are things that he has prepared for us to do. All right? Plans for you to do in advance. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, um, the thing I, I thought about, though, is when you go and you follow the Lord Jesus, it doesn't matter how many years uh, you may have been doing that, you can get tired sometimes of doing good works. Maybe because of the circumstances in your life, you've taken a lot of hits, uh, ups and downs, valleys, losses, failures, whatever. And we can get tired of doing good, tired of doing God's will, right? Uh, And, you know, frankly, sometimes we want to, we might feel like, now we we don't do it, at least I don't know anybody here that's done this, where they go out and they try to buy some, you know, abandoned missile silo in Montana somewhere (laughs) and, and hole up until Jesus comes back. Okay, uh, we might feel like doing that sometimes. We just want to get away from people. We want to get away from all that's going on. We just say, I'm kind of done doing the good works thing. You know, uh, you know, we get tired. That's what I'm saying. We can get tired. 
Um, we just need to be honest about that, okay? And, and, and certainly I get tired. It's not that we don't love Jesus. It's just that sometimes we're running out of steam. And, and we need to know how to not grow weary in doing good, all right? Because if God's the, part of the purpose of us coming to Christ is to do good works, then we don't want to grow weary in doing them, right? All right, so how do we do that? And that's what we want to look at this morning. Uh, take a look at this verse here, Isaiah 40. This is from the Old Testament. Isaiah 40, verse 28, it says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Um, so I brought that up here because I'm like, isn't it good to know that God doesn't run out of steam? <laughs> isn't it good to know that God doesn't get tired? I mean, that may sound like kind of being master of the obvious, you know, God's not going to get tired. But, but it's just nice to know that he's the source, he's the one that we need to go to then. If he's never run, becomes weary, then if we don't want to grow weary, that's really the first thing we need to do is we need to look to Jesus. We need to look to him. Now, this might sound like something that you would automatically do, but I guarantee you, I don't think you automatically do it. Because, I mean, maybe I'm the only one, okay? Uh, but, but sometimes we are just not in the mentality of looking to Jesus. We're kind of cranking it out on our own. We're like, I got this, God, you know? And we go off and kind of do it on our own power, on our own energy, and without his direction. And before we know it, yeah, we're doing good things, doing lots of things, but we're burning out, okay? And so... What we need to do is make sure that we're looking to Jesus. So we need to get our eyes on him, right? So one of the, the first way of, of, uh, to make sure you're not growing where is to look to Jesus. Now take a look at this verse here, these verses. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and it mentions this because it mentions all these uh, wonderful people of faith in the previous chapter, right? Hebrews 11 is known as the hall of faith, okay? Because there's, uh, it goes through a whole list of people and, and how, they, uh, how their faith was expressed towards God. And so then starting in chapter 12, then it says, so, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, those people have gone before us, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, this is a wonderful verse to just talk about, you know what? If you want to run, in a sense, the race of the Christian life, you're following Jesus, right? Another way to say it, you're following Jesus. You're walking with God. You want to run that race. You, you, want, to, you want to run the best you can, which means unhindered, right? And here, it's mentioning sin, like the sin that so easily entangles us. I'll bet you, you know, what that sin is for you, the sin that you so easily fall into, right? And that's the one he's talking about, whatever that is for you. He's like, you need to lay it aside, right, so that you can run full tilt for Jesus, right? So, and he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. That's what I'm talking about here. You don't want to grow, if you don't want to grow weary in doing good, which is our purpose as Christians, right, one of our purposes is to do good works, right? We need to look to Jesus as our example. It says he's the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, 
listen, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Joy and cross would not seem to go together in the same sentence, would it? Oh, suffering and the cross seem to go together, right? Agony and the cross would seem to go together, but joy and the cross? Well, why is that? Well, listen, it says, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is that seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So what really helped Jesus endure that? That suffering was because he's thinking of all the people that are going to be coming into the kingdom. He's thinking about all the people that he's going to save as a result of his actions on the cross. That's what he's thinking of. That's what's bringing him joy, was he was able to look ahead of the difficulty and the suffering, right? Because that brought him joy, okay? And as we're going through our difficulties, as we're trying to live out and be faithful to God as Christians and do the works he's called us to do, the good works, right? What's going to help us keep going is knowing that the work we're doing actually has eternal value. It has an eternal impact, okay? And I've got some other scriptures we're going to look at, but we need to look to Jesus as our example. He inspires us. He he, he lets us see that, hey, he suffered that, and he endured it for us for the joy set before him, okay? And so we need to keep the end in mind. We need to look past the now. We need to look at the eternal, the things that are going to last. And that's going to help us. Now, verse 3 says, of Hebrews 12 says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, listen, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In other words, Jesus went through all that so that you wouldn't give up. That blows my mind. He didn't even, I mean, he, he knew us before we were ever born and he endured that so that we might not grow weary or faint-hearted on our mission. All right, so look to Jesus. Look to the Lord. That's the first thing we need to do. Now, tied in with that, like how do we do that Certainly prayer is part of that, right? How do we go to the Lord? We go to him in prayer. We talk to him like, like I'm talking now in a sense. We talk to God, right? And, and don't think that you have to have some kind of special language. You know, I'm not, I don't have anything, problems with the King James, but you don't have to talk to King James to God, okay? Uh, you just, you, you know, you want to respect God, but, you know, you talk to God. You tell him what's on your heart. You come to me, Sam, I'm, I'm, I'm weary, God, from doing good. I'm having a hard time keeping on doing what you've called me to do. But let me just tell you what, how to not grow weary in doing good. We need to look to and lean on God's word. That's, you know, we say look to Jesus, but one of the practical ways to do that is we need to look to God's word. There's promises in there that's going to help us, and we need to lean on that. Okay? We need to lean on the promises of God when it comes to this. Now, um, I've got kind of three things under this heading here, three things. So, so the point we're making is we want to go to God's Word and we want to bank our lives and our endurance in doing good on some promises here, okay? That's going to help. So here, I'm going to share with you some things that are going to help. Um, the first promise 
relates to this, that we need to remember God's promises, God promises our kingdom labor is not in vain. In other words, the work we do for the Lord, whatever it is, whatever the good works that God places before you to do in his name, it's never going to be for naught. It's not going to be a waste. There'll be times when we'll be tempted to think it's a waste, that it's not doing anything for the kingdom. Because you, we live in a world where everything's measured. There's some kind of a metric, okay? These things are not always measurable. Kingdom impact is not always measurable by some number, okay? Uh, and so we got to get this. So what verse are we going to for that? 1 Corinthians 15, 58. This needs to be uh, in your repertoire of verses that you go to when you're growing weary in doing what God's called you to do. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. Knowing, so how, he's basically saying, keep going, abounding in God's work, knowing the following. So in other words, you need to know something to keep going. Knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. In the Lord, did you get that? These are deeds done in the name of Jesus. These are God deeds. These are God's good deeds you're doing. In the name of Jesus, they are never in vain. It's never a waste. Isn't that great to know? When you don't see anything happening, your labor is not in vain. Uh, When I think about this not in vain labor, I always think of, some of you guys know who Tom Short is, right? He's a campus preacher uh, shares the gospel uh, very winsomely and talks about issues of the day, does a nice job of relating to the students. Uh, and so, but his story about how he came to faith really has to do, in a sense, with I'm, I'm kind of putting my play, my, myself in the place of the person that was out on a rainy day passing out gospel tracts, talks of Tracks, little pieces of paper that talk about how you can come to know Jesus and how you come to know God, right? Um, and Tom Short, not a Christian yet at this time, sees one of those um, pamphlets, gospel pamphlets, in a mud puddle and picks it up, and God uses that, amongst other things, to bring him to faith in Christ. I'm putting myself, thinking in my head, I wonder, this would be me anyway, if the person that day that was passing out those pamphlets, maybe in the rain, because it ended up in a mud puddle, saw people after they were handing them out, just dropping them on the ground. I've done pamphlet drops before, and I know that happens, right? People are like, oh, well, you know, which is fine. You know, I didn't take personal offense to it. But, you know, they're kind of wondering, like, is this doing any good? They're, they're taking them from me, and, and, you know, 20 steps past me, they're dropping them. And one of them dropped in that mud puddle that Tom picked up. Your labor is not in vain. That day, that person, whoever they are, you know, if they don't know it and haven't discovered it yet, somebody became a Christian and has had a big impact on a lot of college students around the country. All right? And so please be encouraged by this, knowing that your toil for the Lord, in the Lord, is not in vain. Okay? You may never receive the results that you're looking for, but if you're doing these works that God calls you to do in the Lord, it's never in vain. 
Okay, it's not a waste. The enemy, the devil, wants us to think it's a waste. Because we like to measure things by human terms, and you just can't do that with the things of God. Okay? All right. So, so we're remembering that, God, that uh, God's promises, He promises our kingdom labor is never in vain. Now, the next verse relates to this, that God's Word equips you for the good works He's got planned. God's Word equips you for the good works He has planned for you. So, the Word of God's going to be a vital part of every Christian's life because in here, right, we find out who God is, right, and also what He wants us to do. His will, people call it His will for your life, right? Uh, what generally He wants Christians to be doing. And, and not only what to be doing, but sometimes He gives specifics on how to do it, right? Uh, how, does he want your, how does He want your marriage to work, right? How does, how does, how does, what's God's will for your finances, uh, what, how does he want you to relate to people, right? Um, things like this. And so, so we have to remember that God's word is a big part of his equipping us to do the works. Now, where are we coming up with this from? Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says the following. All scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God. You know what that means? It basically means everything you're reading in here in the Bible is God's Word. Okay, I know that men wrote this down, but they were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so as to write down exactly what God wanted. And I think that's so cool. Okay? I think that's so cool that what we have here is the Word of God. It doesn't just have some of God's Word in it. It is in its entirety, like that verse says, all Scripture. And every person I've ever talked to who knows Greek knows the word for all means one thing. You know what it is? All. All means all, and that's all all means. Period. Okay? Everything in here is inspired by God. It's, it's breathed out by God. That's what inspiration means, breathed out by God. They are God's very words. Uh, our church believes that. Our church stakes its whole mission on the fact that this is God's Word, right? We can't change it. We can't do cut and paste, all right? Because then you don't know what to cut and paste, do you? And then you're pretty much left with nothing. So, all scriptures breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So that gives you kind of the outworkings of how the Word of God works. But here's the one I want to get at. Uh, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, don't get hung up on man, because I think that we can talk about this in general terms, too. Yes, he is talking to young Timothy. That's why he's saying man. He's talking to young Timothy, the pastor. He's saying, listen, all scriptures breathed out by God, and it's profitable and so on. You need to, you need to preach it at the church and so on. But I, I'm picking up on this idea that the word of God here, it says, May, so that you may be complete and equipped for every good work. The Word of God equips you for every good work, okay? Every good work. Well, I guess I better be a person of the book, okay? If I'm not a person of the book, I'm not going to be equipped for the work that God has for you, okay? Because He has work for you to do. We know from the verse we're focusing in on, Ephesians 2.10, you are 
God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. And you need to be prepared for those. And the way you get prepared and equipped is by being a person of the book. Okay? All right. So I, that's why I always encourage people to engage in our, one of our Bible studies, one of our small groups, uh, be some kind of a regular uh, reader of the Scriptures just in general, become familiar with the Word of God, ask God to speak to you, and learn what His will is, right? You, won't, you don't know what you don't know, right? I mean, that's just as obvious as all means all, and that's all means. But you, how are you going to know what God's will is if we don't read it, right? Um, and, and read it in a translation that makes sense to you, okay? You don't like the ESV, read the NLT. I don't really care. The best Bible you can get is the one that you're going to read. You hear me? The best Bible you can get is the one that you're going to read. It doesn't matter. I don't care. I mean, I, I understand all the, the, uh, the, po- the positives about getting ones that are more word-for-word accuracy, but I'm just saying I, I'm not even worried about that when it comes to people just reading their Bibles, you need to read a Bible that you will read, okay? Then if you want to get a more, be a more serious student, then along with that one, then maybe get one that's more word for word so you can see, okay? But I'm just saying, get in the book and don't let the translation be the barrier, okay? Get in it. Uh, I mean, definitely don't use some cultic translation, okay? Don't read the, what's the, what's Jehovah's Witnesses? That's called the New, New, World, New World Translation. Yeah, you don't get that. That's not... That's, that's not God's word, okay? No question about it, all right? Um, I'm just saying. Um, but, you know, and popular translations, New International Version, NIV, NLT, ESV, New American Standard, those are, you know, and, and there's, um, you know, Christian Standard Bible. I mean, there's this, if you don't know, if you're wondering about a translation and you want to say, hey, is this whacked, you know, ask me, you know? But, uh, I mean, it, it, I just want you to get in the word. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so, God's word equips you for the work that he has for you. Now, the last thing on this, this uh, you know, we're, we're supposed to look to and lean on God's word is just remember this. All these things are things you need to remember, right? The first one is remember God promises our kingdom labor is never in vain. The second one was God's word equips you for the work he has planned for you. And then this third thing is you got to remember something, and maybe you don't know this, but it's a mystery how the kingdom grows, it is a mystery how the kingdom grows. In other words, how God grows his kingdom and how he uses our labor to grow it, okay? It's a mystery. Oh, now, listen, I might like a mystery movie, okay? But it usually wraps up in a couple of hours and the mystery is solved, right? This thing, when I say it's a mystery, it's like a black box, if you will, and we don't know how it all works, but we love to want to know how it works. Okay? And, and you kind of not worry about that. What you need to do is just worry about what God has called us to do, the good works he's called us to do, and just do those and not worry about how it works out. Okay? Um, now, to, to talk about that, I want to look at Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 29. This is part of a parable Jesus tells about the kingdom. Okay? Just think about the kingdom as life with God, living life with God, right? And so when we talk about growing the kingdom, we want to expand the kingdom. We want people to come to know Christ and become a part of the kingdom, that kind of thing. Uh, It says, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So think of a farmer scattering the seed, right? 
It's the way they used to do it. Didn't have John Deere with a planter behind it. Okay? Scatter the seed, right? Um, I'm sure they had something to plow a row, right? But then they got to scatter the seed. And it says, he sleeps. So the farmer, he sleeps and he rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. It's like, I'm doing this work. I know if I do this work that this is supposed to result. How that all happens under the ground, I don't really know. It's a mystery. And Jesus is saying the kingdom, growth of the kingdom is kind of like that, right? It's like you scatter your seed, you do the good work, you don't know how it's all going to come out, but God uses it. Right? So verse 28, the earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, meaning like the, the ear of the corn or whatever, and then the full grain in the ear, or it could be, you know, some kind of wheat. Verse 29, but when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. All right? When you speak of a kingdom harvest, he's talking about, you know, either one, you know, uh, salvation of souls or Christ coming back for his people. Okay? But what we need to realize is that this kingdom growing business and how the good works that we do affects that, we don't know how it works. So don't get so caught up on it. You can, you can grow weary if you're not seeing the results you think you ought to see, all right? You'll, go, you'll grow weary if you're trying to, if you have some kind of expectation of results. Because the best thing you could ever do as a Christian, I think, when it comes to doing the works, is do the works of God and you leave the results up to Him. That's very freeing, okay? And that's the way it actually works. The results are up to God. Our part is to do the works of God, to do these good works he's called us to do in Christ's name, okay? Now, the last point here, just to mention. So, you know, we said look to and, and, and lean on God's word. That was the second point, right? Um, the third one here is to uh, just simply put your faith in God's timing. Put your faith in God's timing, right? So, again, this kind of fits in with the idea of we don't know how it all works, kind of fits in with that same thing, but just really nails it. Put your faith in God's timing. As you and I are trying to be faithful and we continue to do the works of God that he's called us to do, right? Then we need to trust his timing. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. In due season, like in due time. We will reap, listen, if we do not give up. So there's an exhortation in this verse to keep going no matter what, right? We're going to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We're going to look to him, right, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. We're going to look to him. We're going to look to his word, right? Those promises, promises that says our labor is not in vain, right? The promise that says we're going to, get our equipping for those works from the word, okay? And those promises, it says, we don't really know how the kingdom grows, but it does when we do his work. And this right here, though, is an exhortation to not give up because it says, in due time, in God's timing, you will reap. You will reap. So we put our hope in that, okay? That it's all about God's timing. We put our faith in God's timing. And so many times we want it, we want the results when we want it. 
I mean, we, you know, we're just an impatient people. I am. I mean, I want it done yesterday, right? I want results yesterday. I want things happening yesterday, right? Um, you know, I want DoorDash now, right? I mean, I love DoorDash. I mean, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, especially when the pandemic came, right? I mean, <clears throat> anyway, but I'm saying, you know, we, we realize is that things take time and God's got a different timetable than you and I. Right? He's, sometimes he's thinking years and you're thinking days. and You know, that's not always easy. Uh, sometimes he's thinking generations. That blows my mind. You know, it's hard for me to get to think back, think past tomorrow. He's thinking generations ahead. Okay? So you just got to realize our call is to be faithful, to do the work, good works that God's called us to do in Christ Jesus now. And to, to not grow weary in doing good. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we just, uh, just want to be honest with you, God. You, you know that maybe some of us here are, are growing weary. We're tired. We're tired of, we, we know the right things to do, and sometimes we just, we're just tired. We're, we're running out of steam. And so, Lord, we, we just ask that you would, um, your Holy Spirit would just blow through our lives and, and strengthen us. Strengthen weak hands, God, in this place. Anybody that's watching online or in this place that just is weak and weary of doing good, uh, strengthen their hands, God. And we pray, Lord, also that you'd help us to not see the way the world sees, to not measure the way the world measures, but to see that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Um, Lord, help us to hang on to that. Um, Also, Lord, give us the courage to do the works that you call us to do. Lord, may we wake up tomorrow morning or even as we walk out the door on a God watch. We're, We're looking to see where you're working so that we can join you in that good work. It could be helping somebody out at the checkout line. It could be serving our neighbor. It could be being your mouthpiece of the gospel to someone who doesn't know about it. It could be a a hundred thousand different things, but it starts with a willing heart, God. We need a willing heart. Grace us, empower us to, to, as we have even sung before today, we surrender our lives to you. We want to be used by you. We need you, God, to help us keep on keeping on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.